You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate, we are in a sermon series called Hindsight 2020 as we look back at this crazy year of 2020. And as we begin to kind of say, okay, is there anything that came out of this that's useful? Um, Did it accomplish anything that's going to benefit our lives? And this is a crazy moment. We've used these words and we've overused these words like unprecedented and, um, and, and uncertain times. And right now there's this moment where we're looking at this uh, kind of moment where these numbers are rising and uh, we don't know what to do with this and there's additional lockdowns. And so that's kind of driving us crazy. Um, at the same time, there's this vaccine that is kind of on the horizon. We're trying to figure out, you know, what's it going to look like for people to get vaccinated? We've never gone through anything like this before. And so there's this, there's this moment where we can begin to say, hey, it's really hard right now. And yet on the other side of this thing, it might be um, getting better. There might be something to find hope in. And uh, in, right in this middle moment right now is, is where we're at. And one of the things we want to do is just kind of focus on asking, hey, is there something that God is speaking to us in this moment? Is there something that we need to look at? Is there something that this is revealed? Has God said something to us? Um, has God done something that really showed us? Because here's the thing, that in any moment where we get in these difficult circumstances, any moment that we suffer, here's what happens. It begins to show us something about ourselves and it begins to show us something about God. And that God never wastes a moment for suffering. God never wastes a refining moment for us. And so in this, what happens is that when we're in the pit, we can almost like look past it and we can begin to say, okay, just let's just get out of 2020. Let's look at 21. Let's get past this. But I think if we do this, we miss something incredibly valuable. In every moment of suffering, in every difficult moment, there's a gift that's available to us. There's something that we can see in this. And today, as we look at this, as we think about this whole series, we're looking at you and I. You and I are the subject matter. And is there anything that we have seen in ourselves? Is there anything that's been revealed? Is there anything that we've learned about who we are? And as we think about this, man, any time, as the saying goes, that there's difficulty or any time we get shaken, what's inside of us comes out. And I think more than any other time, 2020 was a time where it got more real, right? that it began to show us what is inside of us. That oftentimes that these things that are lurking within us come out in difficult moments. That this might be the most real you and the most real me. That somehow through this time, as we begin to have these moments of breaking down and we're all over the place, um, as we look around our, our world, man, there's so much stuff around us that pressed us. There's so much chaos in the world around us. And this chaos, what it did is it revealed the chaos within us. That when the world is difficult, when stuff happens, it reveals what's happening inside of us. That when we get pressed, again, what comes out of us is really some truth. And for you and I, we have to look at this truth and we have to ask ourselves, what bubbled up? If we were angry, um, it bubbled up. If we were lonely, it bubbled up. If we were selfish, it began to reveal itself. It began to bubble up. If we were anxious, it began to bubble up. And what we can do is we can just kind of manage it and we kind of hide it and we can kind of ignore it. And this is the temptation for us is to hide it 
and to manage it and to be able to say, I don't want to deal with that. But here's what we do. In this moment, we have to look back and say, there's some chaos. There's something that came out and there's the margin in our life began to, to get smaller. And when there's less margin, it began to reveal some stuff in our hearts. And one of the things that I think we can do is we can just bypass this, sweep it under the rug, we can begin to say, I don't want to deal with this. And if we do, what happens is we continue to live in chaos. In fact, it's just going to be the next difficult moment that the chaos emerges. And we won't be able to walk in, in peace and in freedom until we deal with these things. And so I, I want us to press into this. I want us to get to this moment where we don't waste it and we capture this moment in our lives that we begin to see what this looks like and as we begin to look at the new year and we begin to see hey is there some moments that i'm seeing in this thing that i want to change is there something that needs to change in my life and here's the amazing thing about what we get to do as we walk with jesus we get to have these moments where we don't have to be the same where it doesn't have to be the same us and we can look forward and here's what hope is hope is when we look at the future and we believe that it's better than the present and so when you and I, when we begin to think about who we are, what Jesus gives us is the opportunity to look in the future and say, it doesn't have to be the same chaos internally to you. Even if outside it can be chaos, there's something that can change in your life. You have the opportunity to seize the moment and bring peace into your life through Jesus Christ. And, and I think that for us, we look back and, and today I want to get into um, Paul's letter to Galatia and the Galatians there, those people who live there in this time and in, in this moment that was uncertain times as well. And he begins to tell them about what's happening on the internal side of them and how they can begin to change, how they can begin to experience freedom by being able to look at their lives very differently and beginning to see what's coming out of their behaviors and how do they allow that to be connected with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. So we're going to get into Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to see what Paul tells this group of people. And I think it's going to be incredible for us, for, we, for us to be able to understand, hey, this is how we change. This is how we transform. So here it is, verse 19. Here's what it says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and the all-important wild parties, and the other sins like these. <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I've said, as, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul breaks open and says, man, there's all these things that are coming out of these sinful desires. And he goes through and he's talking about all these things from sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry includes sorcery. That might, might not be your thing, but it, it could be a thing. Hostility all of a sudden to these, you know, all important wild parties um, and other sins. And so he's, he's trying to say, hey, this is what this looks like when there's these sinful desires. This is, it produces things like this. And then he says in the, next, um, in the next verse, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. And this is this fascinating thing. And maybe if you are a Bible person that you've, you've seen this 
Um, but, but anytime there's a list, there's this fascinating moment for us because we always go to, we get drawn to lists because they just bring clarity. And in this clarity, we have to make sure that we're not tripping over this idea because it's very easy for us to do. So here's a couple of things that I think we typically trip up on in this passage. One is this, we itemize the list. And we take these lists and we begin to say, okay, um, what about my drunkenness and my envy and my uh, sexual immorality? Um, what about my wild parties? What about, like, and so we begin to say, okay, it's almost like this scoreboard that we create. And, and we create this scoreboard and we begin to kind of figure out, okay, what's my overall holiness score? And what is my overall sinfulness score? And so you can begin to you know, do your one to 10. Hey, is this a big deal? Not a big deal in my life. Um, what does the fruit of my life look like? And then you can give yourself a holiness score in this. Um, and this is what we kind of tend to do. Now, we might not do this on our, uh, you know, in our, in our journal, um, stuff like this, but we might do this in our head and we begin to kind of say, hey, how do I measure up? What do I think I'm doing in this? On the other hand, um, when it comes to the, the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, um, what we do is we begin to do the same thing. We begin to kind of say, okay, how do I measure up? How is my uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, gentleness mercy? Uh, <laughs> Um, mercy. And this is this, this moment where we begin to put all these things together and we begin to ask, hey, how good am I at this? Like, what, what, what am I doing? And so what happens is this. Paul is trying to get to something deeper. And to get to something deeper and to reveal this, he's beginning to say, hey, it looks like this. And, and so we have to take and begin to say, hey, this is a list, but the whole list has to be taken together. That entire list is like, Hey, if any of these things are a part of this, um, so if it's not sorcery for you, right? And if you're like, maybe I'm just a little into Harry Potter or something like that, but I'm just kidding. Um, but if like, if it's not sorcery, but you're just like, okay, but there's some selfish ambition, you should still pay attention. You should lean in. Just because you're not a sorcerer doesn't mean that this is not applying to you, right? And so on the other side, you begin to say, maybe I'm pretty good at this, um, you know, this personality or this, uh, this patience thing. Um, it's all of it together. So that's the second thing that we can tend to take and we can measure by our strengths. We look at this and we begin to say, okay, how am I, how am I kind of aligning to this based upon our strengths? And especially when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Oftentimes what we do is we begin to overlay our personality traits on this. And we begin to say, hey, am I, am I pretty patient? You know, maybe that's your thing. Or maybe I'm pretty gentle, whatever it is. Um, maybe you're pretty joyful. What, whatever that thing is, we tend to be able to take and we begin to look at that list and by, we, we do it by, by kind of our strength in this. But when we think about that, that's just a sense of personality fruit that we can come out of this and we can naturally have a disposition towards something. And that's a gift from God. But when it comes to the fact of God doing something in us that's transformative, and is transforming our very desires, what we have to do is we have to look at the thing that we do naturally the least. So like for me in this, in this thing, it might be gentleness. And I can begin to say, okay, if the Lord is actually beginning to change some stuff in my life, I might look to gentleness and begin to say, am I becoming more gentle? Do I have a desire for more gentleness that's coming out of this? So this is this idea. Paul is saying, hey, there's something that out of this begins to show the very desires of your heart. And this is how we begin to see how this begins to characterize us. And we begin to see hey, the, care, the desires of our heart come out of this sense of our being transformed from this to that. 
And there's a deep temptation to fall into a religious trap here. And this religious trap is we look at these lists, we look at it and we say, okay, I don't want to be this and I do want to be this. So therefore, hey, how do I begin to control my life? How do I begin to orient my world towards this? How do I exert the control over my behavior? And what happens is it looks successful at first. In the very beginning of this, we begin to say, okay, I don't want to be this, so I'm going to operate like this. But ultimately, it doesn't bring us into freedom. Maybe I can help us to be able to understand this um, a little bit differently. As you think about um, this, let me just kind of do this grid for us. You begin to think about these sinful desires. And if we were to take this side, and that's the low sinful desires, and these are high sinful desires. These are things that are coming, coming out. And we begin to have low effort, and we begin to have high effort. This is what, that, what Paul is talking about. How do we deal with this? And we begin to think about what do these mean? So if we have this sense of, uh, of beginning to see high sinful desires with very low effort, right? So what we would call that is bondage. So you'd be in bondage, right? So you, you desire things that aren't, that aren't of God, and you're not putting any effort into, uh, you're not controlling any of those desires. You have a lot of sinful desires, and you have a, a lot of, uh, but you're not putting a whole lot of effort into that. Uh, on the other side, you begin to have this, this sense of, uh, of being able to have high, um, high effort and high sinful desires. And that would be this, this idea of management. That you're trying to figure out, I have a lot of these desires, but I, have a des but I want to, to be able to control this. And so I'm going to have a lot of management in this. And then you might have this place where you don't have those, um, those, dis uh, those it's kind of a low, uh, low effort, um, or, or it's a high effort, but it's low sinful desires. Like, so maybe it's beginning to, like I'm really working on this and, and there's less of this. And this is what we might call something like a quiet chaos. It's kind of quiet in that, but there's still something that's going on in there. It's low, but it's low there because you're putting a lot of effort into this. But then when we think about there's low sinful desires, and actually there's low effort into this, this is what we call freedom. And I want you to understand that what Paul is talking about in this entire chapter is how do we live in this idea of freedom? How do we live in the sense of being able to say, hey, I'm free because here's the thing, that I don't desire these sinful things. I desire the things of God and, and I'm also not being able to see these things manifested in my life so that there's this sense of freedom. And so whatever it looks like, and every time God is trying to get us into freedom, he's trying to get us here and he's trying to get us into this place. But here's where right here um, that we begin to... Uh, I just realized I spelled that wrong. Um, we begin to get to this place where we get stuck in this quiet, quiet chaos. And oftentimes, one of the ways that happens is we begin to move through this way, but here's where we get stuck, right in this, in this place, that we begin to say, if I'm getting into a place that it's, it's managing it and it's okay, maybe I don't have this moment of transformation into the actual freedom of this. This is this this is this key thing about really what we do and what does it look like for us to move from, from this idea of maintaining. And so this whole area right here, this, this part of this is really talking about, man, we're not doing what our desires want to do. And then this side 
is really us being able to say, hey, this is what my desire, when, I, when I'm living like my desires, and I'm, 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 I'm not trying to control my desires, but my but desires are moving towards what I like, it's either sinful or it's holy. But the goal is that you would be able to have a desire that would match the desires of God, and those things would merge, and that is what peace looks like in our life. Everything else is chaos. And so when we begin to think about this, what, what do we do? Here's what Paul says. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. This is a massive, massive truth because what it gives us is this beautiful imagery that we are to take and understand, hey, those who belong to Christ, this is so amazing that we've taken those passions, those desires, those things that have characterized the old ways, the old self, the things that are destructive, that list that is always going to bring us into not being able to live like Jesus. And we've taken and we've nailed these passions and desires of the sinful nature, that part of us that is not like God, to his cross and crucified them there. This is a sense of like putting those things to death that we don't allow them to exist, that we don't allow them to continue to kind of occupy places in our life. But we begin to say, no longer, you don't have a place. There's no place for you here in my life that I'm not going to live in this way. I'm going to crucify them. This instrument of death that killed Jesus, he's saying, this is the same kind of thing that we take those desires and we put them into. And this is what we have to have this kind of kind of orientation to those desires. This is what happens. As we begin to live in the quiet chaos, we begin to say, I've, I've managed it, okay? And, and I have this place where these sins just aren't a big deal, but I don't really want to put the effort into that full transformation. I want to keep them there. And, and, and this is just this is just crazy for us. It, it reminds me of a story that I heard this, this week. Uh, there's a guy, he lived in a, an apartment in New York City. And he uh, ends up getting bit by his pit bull. And so he goes to the hospital and he's getting treated for his pit bull um, bite. And, um, and his neighbors uh, decide that they were going to take some action. Um, his neighbors um, called the cops and said, hey, th there's something that's still in the apartment. And, um, and it's, we can hear it up there. And uh, and there's urine coming from the apartment down from the ceiling into our apartment. And so, it, you know, bizarre thing, right? So the police show up and they try to knock on the door. Obviously, he's not there. They try to uh, figure out what to do in that. So they, they drill a hole through the door. And as they drill a hole through the door, they look into the apartment. And as they look into the apartment, they see a tiger looking back at them. There's a tiger roaming around this New York City apartment, looking through the hole, like looking at that. And they begin to say, okay, we're not going to knock down the door. Um, we're not going to do anything. We're going to allow the tiger to stay in the apartment. We're going to figure out another way. So the other way they did is they got an animal specialist and they took this guy. <laughs> he repels off the top of the apartment and he gets down to the, the, uh, he gets down to the, the window of this apartment. He knocks on the window. I'm not sure why he knocks on the window. The tiger lunges through the window, breaks the window. They shoot him with a trank dart, and this tiger is out, right? So this tiger is, uh, you know, coming through this window at this guy, and um, it's just a bizarre scenario, right? So they get into this apartment. They realize it's not just a tiger there. 
Dude's got an alligator, a full-grown alligator that's living in his New York City apartment. Crazy, right? This dude has a tiger and an, and an alligator, but gets hurt by the pit bull, right? He gets hurt by this you know, domesticated animal. He has these two wild animals living in this thing. This is bizarre. You know, this, this whole thing, like how much pee does a tiger have to have to be able to drain through a, a ceiling, right? How, what, what, how did this whole thing happen? And what happens is he took, and from an early age, he brought the tiger into the New York City apartment, and he raises this tiger in a New York City apartment, brings, I guess, his friend, the alligator, and his friend, the pit bull, right? And they have this happy little life, but it wasn't so happy, right? And, and I love these stories, um, partly just because I get, I just, I get um, a lot of humor out of dumb humans and dumb human things. And, uh, and this is this crazy thing, because here's what we have to understand, that, that there's this, this reality. This, why, why does this make sense, right? Why am I telling you a story about a tiger in a New York City apartment? Because I want you to get this. Like, this is the story um, that, that we hear over and over. These people think that they can begin to say, okay, it's a cute little tiger, right? And I'm, it was small, and, and we brought it into our life, and we gave it love, and we fed it. And, and then this thing grew up and they're like, hey, just because I showed it love, it should love me back. But inside of it is the instinct to kill that's been bred there for a thousand years, right? This tiger, this alligator, these are bred to kill, right? And every year we hear these people, they're like, this is a pet. And then their pet kills them. <laughs> this is the same thing. This is where you and I, we have to understand that whenever we allow stuff to live, the beast within us, as we allow it to live in us, at some point it is going to turn on us. The thing that we are managing, we are one crisis away from not us managing it, but it managing us. And we are one difficult thing, we're one suffering moment away from us being able to say, hey, things radically changed, right? As I begin to see, man, this thing can kill and I'm acting like it can't. And so when we begin to think about what this looks like, here's what Paul says. Here's how we operate. It says this in just a couple of chapters earlier in, in um, Galatians chapter two, it says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's not only, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live this earthly body, live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is this beautiful, beautiful thing that we begin to see this, that, that we have to understand this whole idea, nailing this to the cross, understanding that religion says strive to do better, but Jesus says the work is finished. You couldn't do it if you tried. Since you aren't perfect, you are sinful. And you don't need a new plan. You need a new heart. And this is the beautiful thing that Jesus Christ took our place on the cross, took our sin upon himself, gave us his righteousness that allowed us to have a new heart to allow us to have access to a God that brings a new voice into our life that says you don't have to stay in the person that you are. You don't have to allow the beast within you to live within you. You can be transformed. This is the power of the gospel. The gospel is meant to transform us. Religion enslaves us, puts us into sin management. And what 2020 has shown us 
is that there's a lot of sin management that's going on. There's a lot of things that have stayed in this that have not actually changed our hearts, transformed our hearts, and it got revealed when we began to get pushed, when we began to get shaken, when we began to get pressed. Man, this is the sense of what it means for us to be transformed, that religion changes our behavior without changing our hearts, that the gospel was always meant only for transformation, not for sin management, not for behavior management. This is what we begin to see. This is the good news, that the pandemic has revealed that there might be more religion in us than we realize, that there are things that may have crawled off the cross. There are things in our life that might have tried to crawl off the cross and we didn't crucify them. And so instead of being transformed, we live in perpetual sin management. We live just short of true freedom. We manage our world and let sin live within it instead of saying it has to be put to death. And so what do we do? I believe we need a kill list. I know that's kind of a crude way to say something. But I think that we need something where we begin to say, hey, no longer, I'm gonna list it out. And by putting it on this, it's gonna lose its power over me. It's gonna be put out into the light. I'm not gonna allow this to live in this. And maybe you just go through that list. Is there some things that come out that you begin to say, hey, that is the desire that is not of God. And I'm gonna write it down and I'm going to put it on the kill list. I'm not going to allow it to live and embed itself in my life anymore. I'm gonna to walk towards transformation. I'm going to begin to say, hey, this is a beautiful new year as we begin to think about what things could look like in this, in this new year. And so what does it look like as we begin to think through the next step? It says this, since we are living by the Spirit, I just want to stop. You get to live by the Spirit. That Jesus came so that you have a Holy Spirit that is alongside of you, that is the voice of God speaking to you, the power of God within you. And, and we're not realizing this. It says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. How amazing is this, that you get to have the Spirit of your heavenly Father walking alongside of you, being able to drench every single part of you, being able to speak to you, being able to say that it doesn't have to be this way, giving us freedom from being in bondage to the chaos, not having to live in the quiet chaos, but beginning to see how I can be transformed in every minute of the day. This is this amazing thing that has been given to us. And so how do we begin to respond? Since we're living in the Spirit, what does it look like? One, Transformation looks like this. It looks like these moments when the Holy Spirit comes in and just jacks up our world, just completely blows it up. I think about my life, a few, a few times in my life where, where it's just been a moment of revelation and transformation. I remember, this is kind of funny, but uh, I remember being in fifth grade. Um, and in fifth grade, uh, I was quite the cusser. Um, I, I had quite the filthy mouth as a fifth grader. And so um, it would like offend people. And, um, and so anyway, I was just, I was this way. And, uh, and I remember this moment where I just had this really convictional clarity, even as a fifth grader, hey, this is not what God wants. And in that moment, I went from like, hey, this is just a part of my vocabulary to like not saying any of those words and not having this desire to. And it was this fascinating thing that all in that moment, there was a heart change. There was something there that just immediately changed. Another one of those moments was 
uh, in college, and this is around the issue of pornography. And so that desire, I remember being in, in, this, in this place, and all of a sudden, just this moment where God just began to just kind of take over my heart, and it began to go from this like desire I was enslaved to, to this place of freedom, and it was just this incredible moment of being able to recognize in this one single moment, this idea of going from being in bondage to being in freedom and having my desires changed. And that's how I've had it a few times in my life. But it's not been every time like that. Sometimes it's been more like this. It's been more like replacement. So it's not just revelation, but replacement. Replacement has looked like this. Whereas I pursue God and I begin to say, God, I want to walk in your ways. I want, to, I want this to look like you. I, I want you to replace this desire. There, there's been this incremental sh- shift that it's felt like it's shifted and it's, it's, it's kind of moved in towards this place of being where it's kind of chipped away. And, and in this, it's revealed gradually. And you look back and say, man, that, I don't have that same desire like I used to. I'm, I'm walking in freedom. One of the specific things for me was this idea of selfish ambition and this idea of if I don't do this, it won't happen. And being able to have that idea and beginning to say, this is chaotic in my life. I want some freedom. So God, will you take and when you, will you, would you reveal to me what it looks like in your, in your peace? Would you show me what it looks like for, for me to walk in peace? And, and over time, I begin to see that peace grow. And this sense of selfish ambition begin to fade away. And this idea, if I won't, it's going to be okay. And that's part of the reason I think that this idea of God's sovereignty is such a big deal because I've seen the freedom to be able to say, okay, God, you have this. It's under your control and I can walk in peace. So for us, as we think about this, and as we think about what he does to transform us, I want you to get that it is not about the list. It is about the listening. Here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes in the list, we come and we begin to say, hey, I, I want to I get to, to my relationship with God. And I, I think that this is a list of things that I haven't done well. And I'm trying to kind of do that management thing so that I can begin to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not really that bad, God. I'm, I'm kind of managing this and it's looking okay. And, and I, you know, compared to the other people around me, it seems like I'm a pretty holy person. But, but we still don't experience the freedom and the presence of God because we think in terms of list, because we think in terms of morality, because we think in terms of self-control, instead of being able to say, God, would you come? Would you take, I'm gonna take and I'm gonna crucify these sinful desires and I'm gonna listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In every part of my life, I'm gonna be able to listen. I'm gonna say, if I'm gonna live by the Spirit, I'm gonna listen to the Spirit. And that voice becomes louder and it becomes more significant, and we enjoy His presence, and we don't come to His presence thinking about the list of things that we've done or not done, that our effort is grace-driven effort. It is not morality. It's not us trying to be something, but we begin to say, hey, because of what Jesus has already done, that is how my effort is driven. Because of His grace, that's what I walk in. This is the, this is the thing. As we look forward to 2021, I think we have to look back to 2020. And we have to look back and begin to say, is there something that has been revealed? And I think across our nation and across our church, we've seen some things. And we've seen some places that we've historically let religion manage our sin instead of let the gospel transform our lives. 
We've walked in some places where there's still chaos and not yet experiencing freedom. And I know this might feel like it's, it's pressing us right now, but my desire is that we walk into 2021 experiencing the thrill of his transformation, fill of, uh, the thrill of, of how he can begin to change us and beginning to walk in freedom and in peace. This is what Jesus brings us. Instead of having the chaos, he brings us into a place of peace. He brings us into a place where his deep peace resides in our hearts. And, and here's what I desire for that. I would desire for you to long for that more than anything else. And you begin to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. I, I want to listen to you. I'm not going to make these lists. I just want to listen. I want to hear you speak. And so may we, as we think about this year, may we not allow the suffering to pass us by without us recognizing the gift within it. Let us not allow this to simply be wasted. That all this thing was wasted for us not to be able to look deeply into our lives and say, is there something that God is telling us? And may we be people who look forward towards this new year and be people who focus on the transformation of the gospel, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, crucifying those sinful desires within us and making sure there's, there's no tigers, there's no alligators that we're allowing to live that we're not so dumb as to think, hey, I can just manage this thing, but instead have that where we begin to experience transformation. I love you, Resonate. Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask that you would take right now and you would just begin to give us a really clear understanding of what's going on within us. The beasts that are within, the, the thing that lurks inside of us, Lord, Help us not to have a moment where we try to, to, to make that seem smaller than it is. Help us to understand that there's a tiger, there's an alligator. There's not just these cute little things, Lord, but there's something within us that we need your grace to cover. We need to crucify them. We, not, we don't need to continue to feed them and, and some believe that somehow we can manage. Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to come and enjoy your presence in such a deep way to get your peace and ultimately to have the desires of our hearts that are following after you, Lord, so that we experience your freedom. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting resonate.net.